Okay, welcome back to the final episode of season two for the Chalice Chasers podcast. What an all-around great baseball season. From the Phillies' incredible postseason run to another great year of competition within the Chalice Chasers League, it was just an all-around fantastic year, and I just think it was an absolute blast. Uh, And so I'm really happy to get this uh, final podcast out for the year. I feel like it was warranted because of all the off-season moves and just to kind of recap what went on in the fantasy uh, season in the last um, in the last few months. And so before we get into that, I've got a guest here today with me that I'm incredibly excited about. And he was actually uh, on the podcast two years ago when we did a trade deadline podcast in uh, the summer of 2021. And so he is uh, the Chalice Chasers' uh, very own insider. And uh, I'm really excited to have Carter Farrell on. Carter, how are you doing, man? Yeah, I don't know if I'd call myself an insider, but I appreciate that introduction. Uh, definitely excited to talk some off-season baseball. It's, uh, you know, I think it's the best off-season in sports, so definitely ready to tackle some of these moves that happened. Is it true that you mentor Brian Windhorst? No, I wish he mentored me. Uh, big windy guy all of a sudden after kind of his big, uh, you know, little thing with Rudy Gobert after, after, uh, right before he got traded, so I'm all in on that, dude. I'll take his mentorship, not not the other way around. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, uh, uh, before we jump into the podcast here, uh, I just really want to uh, give a hats off quick to uh, uh, one of your um, one of your East cohort members, uh, Mike Kalisin. And uh, Mike absolutely torched the Chalice Chasers League last year and won the championship. Uh, we'll have Mike on the podcast to kick off next year. But in the meantime, I think it's worth noting uh, that he won 15 games straight last year. Uh, he didn't lose a game from early June onwards, including the playoffs. And uh, his team had Judge, Trout, and Julio Rodriguez on it. And uh, uh, in addition to that, a top 20 arm in Shane Bieber. And I just think it has to go without uh, uh, without saying that he might have been the most dominant team the Child Chasers League has ever seen before. Uh, I've never seen a such a uh, emphatic uh, run as Mike had. And so, Carter, would you agree with that? Uh, um, am I exaggerating at all? No, I don't think so. Um, pretty much wire-to-wire dominance. Wire-to-wire dominance is a great way to put it. And so looking forward to having Mike on early next year. And just hats off to you, Mike. That was an absolutely fantastic season. Uh, Aaron Judge just, uh, you know, uh, one for the records books. It was, it was pretty incredible. And so, um, Carter, I know the, the main purpose of this uh, uh, podcast, I'd love to kind of discuss what's going on in the offseason, get your take. I know you stay really up to date on uh, the moves. And then also you can kind of see a few steps down the line. Uh, love to hear your opinion on some of them. Uh, does that sound good with you? Yeah, and not to derail the conversation, but maybe Insider was apt because I got some news to break. Uh, it just came through that Trevor Bauer has been reinstated by baseball and since he already served the entirety of suspension, he's uh, reinstated effective immediately. So Trevor Bauer is uh, back to pitching. Whoa. I think yeah. you're selling yourself short by saying that you're not Win Horse's mentor. That was an all-time uh, great break. No, I read, I read a text from another league member and had to make sure he wasn't just, you know, bullcrapping. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's uh, – 
you know, we, we don't need to talk about his off the field stuff, but on the mound, he is a absolute stud. So very interesting move. I don't know if the Dodgers keep him or, you know, look to move him and kind of start fresh, but um, yeah, it's pretty appropriate for the you know topic of this podcast that he got reinstated. Do you think that he can come back and still be dominant? I do. I do. I think just kind of the way he pitches, um, it's not really the type of guy where um, a year off is going to hurt him. I, I mean, in some ways it might help him, even though, you know, he's always been really durable. So it's not like he's an injury risk guy, even though he, he does pitch. So by nature, all those guys are somewhat of an injury risk, but yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know if he's going to be a front front line guy like he was, you know, the past few years, but still think he'd be a very good pitcher. What about the fans? Yeah, I mean, that'd be tough. I mean, he's, you know, not going to have any supporters. Obviously, on the road, no one's going to be on his side. But I feel like in baseball, it's not as much of a factor as maybe like a sport like basketball, where social media presence around that's nuts. And guys, you know, fans are feet away from him on the court. Baseball, you know, I think there's not much social media chatter. The news cycles tend to kind of evaporate pretty quickly. So, yeah, maybe, but I don't know. I, I can't really see it being a big factor, to be honest with you. That's a that's an interesting take. It's gonna be uh uh it's gonna be uh, fun's not the right word, but it, it's gonna be exciting to watch his uh potential comeback. And uh, there's a chance it just fizzes out, but so uh we'll see what happens there. Uh, I guess the biggest news that we should just dive right into is this Carlos Correa uh circus that's going on right now. What do you what do you think about this? Yeah, it was tough. Um sort of like caught wind of it you know like immediately but didn't really get a chance to dive in and sort of process it late and realize that Dan Elise just got another absolute stud of a shortstop and um you know in the craziest fashion as you alluded to with you know the thing you signed with the Giants putting out there on the west coast and then them backing up to a field physical and Steve Cohen's not you know afraid to throw around his wallet and uh you know I think just the way baseball's changing with contracts and things like that that yeah, it's expensive, and maybe this injury does linger. But you know, if you have the payroll, I think you just got to take like shots at guys like this and bring them in. Um, it's a really formidable lineup. Uh, I know his counting stats were down a bit last year, but I'll you know pander to you and look at if you look at his baseball savant, he's still really high in the ninth percentile out of the hard hit categories. Um, still got on base pretty well. Exit velocity is ninety six percentile, so. I think they're still hitting the crap out of the ball, just, you know, maybe not as out of the park as much, but still a very good player. The Mets needed another bat like that desperately. So, um, yeah, as a Braves fan, it's a scary move. Um, we'll say this, I guess from a fantasy perspective, I'm interested to see if Zadaya goes down at all since he'll be playing third base. I wish we could have the position eligibility works. Like, I guess we'll go into, we'll go into the draft with shortstop eligibility, right, and then pick up third. Base. Yeah. Uh, okay. So that actually makes him probably more valuable because he can play two spots. And third, third base is pretty shallow. Uh, right. He, I feel like he's been a bit of a letdown in fantasy these past few years. He doesn't run a lot, but uh, um, it, I don't know. It seems like a, a lot of money for a guy who I, I'm with you there on those uh, advanced metrics looking strong, but uh, um, you think that's an overpay or do you think this is, you got to separate fantasy from the actual game here. And like Carlos Correa is top notch. 
Yeah, I mean, it probably isn't overpaid, but I think just with how the market works, I mean, you got, you know, Dansby Swanson's getting 170, and I don't know if Trey has worked twice that much. Like, I mean, he's not exactly twice that much, but I don't know if he's necessarily worth twice as much, but I don't know, it's just the market factors. I mean, if the Giants are going to sign him to the same amount of money extra year and the Mets tack a year off and, you know, give him the same money, I feel like, you know, that it's, it makes sense. So, um yeah, I don't know. I just think if these big teams can kind of pay what they want for these dudes, they just do it. I saw uh, um, the Mets luxury tax, Steve Cohen's luxury tax bill is going to be more than I think the Pirates, the Reds, and maybe the Diamondbacks, or there's another team. It's going to be more than three teams total payroll. That's crazy. I mean, it's it's tough. Like I said, it's a, a NLE's team supporter that you got a guy like that who's just not scared to, you know, use his power and money to make the team better. Um, but it's fun for baseball. I mean, it's fun seeing a move like that. And it's fun getting a pretty big name in a big market. And I guess good for the Mets too. I, I think I saw a tweet yesterday that Bobby Bonilla is no longer uh, one of their top 10 payroll guys with Correa on board. So that's a nice move for the Mets right there. That's absolutely wild. Yeah, it, it they got the money to throw it around, and uh, if you can pay it, I guess there's really no big deal to to it, right? Right. So that, that's how I see it, at least these uh these big market teams just sort of cost of doing business. So you touched on someone we should move into next. Then uh, um, I know this one is near and dear to your heart, Dansby Swanson. And uh, before we jump into it, I just have to say. Uh, we I think we were a couple months short on that Cubs game we went to where uh, can you could you rename a single player that was out on the field that day? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, I don't know. I think maybe Patrick Wisdom got, got the start. But uh, I mean, that, yeah, that was like a triple A AAA team we saw out there. And <laughs> I mean, the Rockies weren't any better. It was uh, I and mean, you can't beat that experience. But yeah, talk about two teams just not caring at all in September. Uh, that was it's really rare to have like no big leaguers out there it's kind of like uh you should um you got to put someone out there but so they're going to have some guys out there next year it's going to be exciting and uh, uh Dansby Swanson and then also Cody Bellinger uh maybe we'll start with Dansby I just love to hear your take on what it looks like being a Braves fan and uh do you think the Braves are missing out here yes you took the words out of my mouth with Dansby being near and dear to my heart I mean He's been the golden boy in Atlanta for a long time now. And once Freddie left, it seemed like the torch needed to pass to Dansby. And even though um, they didn't lock him up when they locked up everybody else, I never really think he was going to leave. Um, definitely thought he was going to be like the face of the franchise guy and he'd take a little bit of a hometown discount to stay. But obviously that didn't happen. Um, he got a nice payday from the Cubs. Um, I guess the best way to put it, I think, is – I'm sad to see him go. I think he's a good player. I think last year was an unreal year for him. I don't know if that's him like moving forward every year, but I think he's closer to that guy than the guy we've seen in the past because outside of 2022, he's only other really good – just say only like other big-time year was the COVID year. So small sample size of him is like an elite shortstop, but I think he'll be good for them. Um, great in the field, great leader. So not to be like the nerd intangible guys, but – you know, it's always valuable to the team, especially on like the Cubs where they're still sort of rebuilding. So I think it's nice kind of getting a 
good veteran in there that's not super expensive. So he could be a nice role player for them down the stretch. Um, but yeah, I kind of cut myself off. Uh, I think, I think I'm happy for him. They got the contract and I'm sad to see him go, but I'm also happy the Braves didn't pay it. Um, kind of for everything I just said before that. So, um, He's good. I don't know if he's seven years for 170 good. I think I saw six for 140 you got thrown out there by the Braves as a final offer, which I think is pretty fair and competitive. But, you know, obviously if a team's going to give you an extra year and then three, seven million more on top of that, you can't really fault him for leaving. So, sad to see him go, but um, I understand it. I owned him in 2021, and uh, it was a – a very love-hate relationship with a lot more hate than love. Right. That was the year he was pretty hot in the first half and then completely fell off the cliff after uh, the All-Star break. So, um, yeah, it's kind of like the, the guy he is. So, um, like He's, I said, last year sort of like the first full year he put together. Yeah, I'm, I'm really uh, going to be paying close attention to see if next year he kind of uh, comes back to life a little bit because it's never been back-to-back seasons. But – Hey, he got paid. It's good for him. Uh, do you think the Cubs are rostering a legitimate team with, you know, say, uh, Bellinger, him now, or do you think the Cubs are an afterthought? Uh, so I wouldn't say afterthought. I'm not there yet on, like, legit team. I mean, if you look at the lineup, it's pretty good at the top. You got, you know, Nico Horner, who's just, like, a very solid player. Dansby, Ian Happ, who looks like he's taking a step. Say, as you said, um, the wild card and Cody Bellinger, who I think we're going to talk about later. So, you know, it's a pretty intriguing one through five, but it's not really any, I wouldn't say there's any star in that mix. And, you know, Chicago's a, one of the bigger market teams. Just, I don't know. I think they would have felt better about the games move if they had something else up their sleeve, but that's sort of their big splash this year. I think they're going to have trouble getting in front of the Cardinals and maybe even the Brewers tailing that division. It is a tough division. Uh, and both those teams are pretty solid. Um, so, all right, let's keep moving on here then. Uh, and we're just doing this in order of uh, um, uh, signing date. And so we're just going uh, earliest to uh, latest. And so the the big signing after Dansby was Carlos Rodon, six years, $162 million with the Yankees. I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, I think out of the list we're going to talk about, I think that's my favorite move of the offseason, believe it or not. Favorite move? I think so. Um, I think it's really tough to put a price on, like, a front-line starter like that. And the past two years, he's really shown he's that guy. Um, obviously, he's had the huge injury concerns throughout his career. But, man, I mean, you got a dude like that that can go deep into games, get over 200 Ks in a year, you know, great FIP. Great ERA numbers, you know, both in the traditional sense and the analytical sense. Um, and you get a pair with Garrett Cole now. So that's just an unbelievable one, too, at the top for the Yankees. Um, that's scary rotation. I don't, know if, I don't know if I'd call it best in baseball. I feel like I'm not well-versed enough on all 30 teams right now. But, I mean, it's a scary rotation anyway I mean, you put it. You still got – you still have Nestor – you still have Montas, and then who else would they have there? Severino, who started looking like the old Severino towards the end of the season. Um, again, another injury concern guy, but yeah, it's five legit rotation arms that all can strike guys out, all can give you you know 150 innings a year when they're healthy. So it's uh, 
yeah, I, I, I really like the move for them. Um, it's only 30, so as long as he can stay healthy, I think it'll be pretty valuable for length of that contract. Yeah, it is a great signing for them. The only – I got to ask you, like, are you afraid of the Yankees' offense at all? Uh, at all, yes. I mean, I, I think there's – they definitely, like I said, you're getting out that. I think they are a little bit more like named in substance with a lot of guys. Um, you know, if you kind of, my, my buddy from uh, Wake Forest hates Josh Johnson with a passion. He's a Yankees fan. I think if you still ask a lot of people that casually follow baseball, but I think someone like that's good. Same thing with John Carlo, huge soft spot for that guy, but he is just not the same player. And maybe in some ways it's sort of a liability since he can't really play in the field anymore. But, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just uh, just bias from growing up. But I think you can't really count the Yankees whenever they got a competitive team. So, yeah, I'd still say it's scary. It's not, you know, a world-beater lineup. But Judge, uh, Glaber took a step. They got some good prospects, you know, kind of on the verge of popping. So, yeah, I, I think it's still pretty formidable. I wish I uh... – um, I wish I could have seen behind the scenes for the judge signing because like what was going on there? I've never seen something like that. Yeah, it was pretty funny circus. Um, and I kind of liked it, you know, I'm sure judge didn't intend it, but he, he did a really good job kind of trolling reporters and playing up the, um, playing up the whole thing throughout the season. So kind of cool to see him stay there. I feel like you don't see many one team guys anymore. And, you know, just based on the length of that contract, I can't imagine – he goes anywhere else after. So, um, you know, if someone just likes the game so much, it is cool seeing there are still a few guys like that. Can you believe that guy went, like, around pick 30 in our league last year? I can. I can. P- people get scared, dude. I mean, we know that. Just, like, you, you, you fall in love with the potential guy and they burn you, a.k.a. a guy like Cody Bellinger. But, um, I mean, I don't think anybody thought he was going to be hitting 61 home runs. Or 62, sorry. So, um, unbelievable. I thought, you know, maybe a nice 35-er, but he had probably the best season in modern baseball history. So, What is modern baseball history? I would say post-steroid era. Okay, that's what I thought, but I just wanted to ask because it's – it definitely compares with those Bonds ones, but it makes sense not to include it. Yeah, I mean, like – Mike's team was incredible, but you've got to imagine that like a lot of the dominance came from this one guy, like 133 runs and 131 RBIs. Like, I know he doesn't need to do that again, but like, what are the odds that he does that again? Probably slim. I mean, I don't think that's much of a a hot take there, but you know, he's a dude that's, if he's always going to hit home runs, you know, probably not 62, but I think he's capable of 40 every year he's healthy. Um, you know, by virtue of that, he's going to score a lot of runs. He gets on base too, so that also helps him score runs. So, you know, I think he's primed up to be a top 10 player for the next four years pretty easily. I don't know if he's going to be one ever again, but, yeah, I think he's still going to be a fantasy stud kind of until he loses it. Okay, okay. I'd love to ask you, like, like – ADP type questions, but I feel like it's, it's not, it's not right. We've got the whole league on here. We can't, we can't give any of that your inside track away, but uh, curious to see. Well, uh, I would think if you're drafting today, he goes first. Yeah. But like, I don't, 
and and I'm probably biased, but like I'm not taking that guy top five. It's probably dumb, but really? I don't know. Yeah, I, I just don't think I am. I, I, I wow, that no, that really surprised me. I, I don't even know who I could think of like five dudes that would even be in the conversation. Take over him. You know how much like champagne he's drinking? He just made three hundred eighty mil. Like I just I don't know why I I get and um. I definitely am, like I said, I'm biased because of just what happens recently. Like I always get caught on the wrong side of the the mean reversion, but uh, I kind of believe in that uh, factor out there that people attribute to contracts and how, and I, I, I always say I'm not going to do it. And then I end up doing it. And my pride example this past year was Matt Olson. Yeah, it happens. But I also think like George is a much better player than Olson too. So even if you get like, a bit of a slip up, you know, you're, you're going from greatest season ever to, you know, top 10 MVP guy. You're not going from all-star first baseman to, you know, top 12 first baseman. So I, I don't know. I, I think, I think judges afforded a little more leeway. And I think like the cliff to fall for him is pretty small. I mean, obviously like pun intended, if he completely falls off a cliff, then you're screwed. But I think like from, the season he had to kind of like a normalized season to what he can produce. I don't think it's that steep of a drop off. So yeah, difference of opinion, but uh, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's really interesting. You'll probably talk for like a half hour on that, but um, I don't think, I think it's a little terrible to be talking ADP as you said. And mine's more on the, um, on the injury side, but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll keep it moving. Uh, This next one, uh, I know it's probably a, an off season move that went under the radar, not a lot of people, uh, you know, uh, were feeling uh, uh, a certain way about this trade. But I, this one kind of, I think it got to you a little bit. Uh, when the A's traded Sean Murphy to the Braves and the Braves traded Wilson Contreras to the Brewers in a three-team deal. Yeah, yeah. If, if I told you I could spend a half hour on Judge's ADP, I think I could spend two hours talking about this trade. Um, Why? I, I, I might have I offline. Because uh, we're still, you know uh, – I think about 10 days removed from it. And I still don't get it at all for the Braves. Um, you can throw all the saber metrics at me. I just, I don't know. I mean, I, I, as I told you, you know, in some text, I think they completely overthought this one. And I love Alex Anthopoulos. If he's not the best GM in baseball, he's top two. And I kind of think he played himself on this trade. Really? Like, I mean, Sean Murphy had a fantastic season and Wilson Contreras is okay. Like you're just saying like it wasn't needed or you're saying we gave up, we, not we, the Braves gave up too much. <laughs> no, you can say, you can say wait if you want to jump on. We, I, I could use some fan support, but it's not. Yeah. I mean, I, I just don't get it. Like I, I think Contreras showed a lot of the bat last year. He's only 24 and by all indications, he's been improving a lot as a catcher defensively. I've heard some some talk, you know, like on the nerd sites that I guess he's pretty bad at calling games, which, you know, is obviously a very important part of catching in the, in this day and age of baseball. But he had a good mentor in Travis Darno is under contract for another year plus an option. I just I don't know. I just think they overthought this one. I don't really think they needed to, to make a move a catcher uh, because of Contreras and Darno. I don't think he's much of an upgrade overall. I mean, I know he's a gold glover very good, you know, at framing pitches, calling games, all that stuff. So it's important. He's a good player, but I think they gave up a ton for a guy that's not really going to make them much better. Um, yeah, we don't have to get in the prospect weeds too much, but the 
two pitchers the Braves gave up, Kyle Mueller and Freddie Tarnak. Uh, Mueller's a huge favorite of mine. So happy to see him get a chance. Braves were kind of stingy with him and sort of wouldn't really ever let him work it out in the pros. Um, big six-foot uh, behemoth of a man. He had handsome a couple, too. He had, just, <laughs> he had, oh, handsome. He had a couple uh, yeah. handsome games, I know, early in the season, didn't he? Yeah, they kind of screwed him uh, his first start. He, he came up, like, they basically told him 10 p.m. the day before, like, hey, we need a spot start for you. Flew in from Atlanta to Texas and got shelled. But then he got another chance and, you know, put some games together. He's sort of your classic, like, hard-throwing lefty. He doesn't always know where it's going to go. But he's turned in a few gems. And I know Oakland's kind of a joke these days, but it still seems like they've been able to develop pitchers. So I'll be rooting for him. I think he's good. And then the other guy I mentioned, Tarnak. Another young righty, he's a righty, but another young pitcher who throws heat at the very worst. I think he, he's going to be a solid bullpen arm, starter potential. So, you know, give up two good arms and a catcher that can hit for another catcher who is under contract for three more years, but who knows beyond that. So, yeah, I just, I just, I just didn't get it. And, I'll, and as I said, as I'll say again, just not sure the Braves are a better organization um, after making that move. Interesting. Uh, yeah, you guys have a lot of talent uh, looking forward and a lot of young talent. Um, I just saw a number that I thought was uh, uh, shocking. Spencer Strider's war, if you had to bet last season, over, under, four. I believe it was over. Yeah, it was close to five. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, um, he's very fun to watch pitch and pretty nuts. He only throws two pitches, really. And I won't talk about what happened in the playoffs, but uh, yeah, he's a lot of fun to watch. I mean, I know baseball is not the most like social media and YouTube friendly sport for highlights, but man, seeing him come up and like pitching ninja and things like that, like it's a must watch thing. I mean, dude just throws an easy hundred miles an hour, the ball moving like crazy. He's got that wipeout slider to go with it. Um, name the game with him, just staying healthy because if he does. That dude's going to be an ace in the mold of, you know, the Grom and greats like that. It is going to be interesting to see that. the uh, He's not as big as some of those greats, so uh, really hoping he doesn't go the Tim Lincecum route, but we'll see. He's, he's Quadzilla, man. Have you heard that nickname? <laughs> no, but it makes sense because he yeah, is he's, literally. <laughs> he's short. He's not much taller than you and me, but that dude's got tree trunk legs. Yeah, I started calling him. Quadzilla, and uh, I might be telling on myself a little bit, but the Braves did a video of his pregame routine. Dude stretches like crazy, lifts like crazy. So as long as his body doesn't shut down, I think uh, I think he'll be fine. So it's a dude that definitely cares about you know staying in physical shape. So is he a career? As you can tell, much form. I think he has to be right, unless unless he sucks. I I got a pretty like hard and fast rule in sports. Like if you're not good. You can't do gimmicks, like just play, just play <laughs> the game and, and uh, you know, collect your paycheck and all that. But if you're good, like I was talking with someone the other day, like Brian Wilson, that dude was at the height of his powers, the beard made sense. As soon as he sucked, he shaved it. Good for him. Like take the attention off yourself, focus on being better. But, you know, when you're good, you can rock the beard. When you're bad, cut the stick, cut the beard, just pitch. So that's, that's my rule for every sport, not just baseball. Cut the beard, just pitch. I absolutely love yeah. that. Uh, yeah, put, put, put on a T-shirt. <laughs> uh, so 
Um, all right. So this next guy is actually someone who is known for uh, the, the highlights, kind of like Strider, even though the highlights haven't been in the United States. And uh, the Met signing, Kode Senga. And before I get into him, I just want to give a shout out really quick to um, our listeners in the Eastern Hemisphere for the Child Chasers podcast. You wouldn't believe shout this, out. But, but last year, we ended the year with a listener in Nepal. We had another one in Jakarta, Indonesia. And then finally, we had one in South Korea. And the South Korea listener was actually incredibly close to the DMZ. And, uh, and so uh, we're really getting our global footprint out there. And I uh, uh, just want to give a shout out to everyone in the Eastern Hemisphere for uh, uh, showing the podcast some love. We're, uh, we still don't have anyone in Africa and South America, but maybe after this podcast, Carter, you and I can change that. Yeah, I mean, the global reach just keeps the game of challenge chasers. It's my favorite stat. I think, I think you need to... Uh lead off every pod in the future with like the newest listener from the first location. Cause it's, uh, you know, I thought it may be in the little Doylestown corridor, but it's global baby. So yeah, it's, it's cool to hear. Oh, it's crazy. I, I never would have thought Jakarta. No, I wouldn't either. So I probably couldn't tell you where that was on the map to be honest. So it's, uh, it's cool. Uh, so, so Kode Senga, have you seen the, have you seen the highlights of him or what his claim to fame is? No, it's, it's too bad. Cause you gave him this nice intro and pumping it up and I couldn't tell you much about him at all. All, all I know is, you know, he's how he thought of, and he was top guy from Japan this year. So I'll have to he, throw it to you for this uh, breakdown. Well, no, he, apparently he throws a ghost fork ball. So what, what in the world does that mean? Right. It's it's got some nasty break on it, but it kind of seems like uh, every Japanese pitcher that comes over now, they just have this new pitch that gets hyped up. That's like not a real pitch. Yeah, well, because we started with Dice K at the gyro ball. Wasn't that his thing? Right. Yeah. 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 I guess the, the euro ball. I, I don't know how to pronounce that word, but uh, yeah, I mean, if he's as good as they say, like, I hate giving the Mets all this credit, but. Rolling out a rotation with Verlander, him and Scherzer, still got some pieces behind him. Like Quintana was kind of a quiet pick. Like you know, he's spending time on him, but quiet soft pickup for them. Carrasco still pretty good. I mean, the rotation, like in some ways, might be better even though they lost to Grom. It's it's deep. So, Buck yeah, I don't pitching. know. He does, he does, and again, I mean. Starting pitching is different these days. Like you know, back in the day, you should be your horse was the two hundred inning guy. Now it's probably more like 150, 160, sort of like that horse in the rotation. And I was looking up his uh, baseball reference page. I think he only pitched on the thick innings last year. So I can't imagine him getting the Mets a heavy workload this year. But I mean, you get you know, a good 120, 130 out of him and give some starts or give him some bullpen games, work through it. I mean, good players are good players. It's a, it's a pretty right. favorable contract. I think with five years, $75 million, which – Dropping a bucket for Cohen, but for any team, it's you know not bad for a top three starting pitcher on, on a roster. I mean, so yeah, um, he's yeah, he's no, jumping it's up. Intriguing. It is intriguing, and he's jumping up the ADP list right now. Uh, uh, he's going like inside the top one twenty in just some of those uh, NFBC stuff, which is early, but it still gives a good uh, reference point. And that seems way too early for a guy who only threw that many innings. But uh, we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, 
they're saying his splitter is very nasty and his fastball too. And uh, they're making references to Hideo Nomo, which that one really brought me back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that ADP, again, I, I don't know much about him, so I can't speak a ton. I'm sure it's bullish. I mean, it's going to be an easy guy to root for. Like, I feel like every kind of big baseball fan root for those imports to make a big splash. So, you know, if you're the guy that can draft them and watch his success, that's a lot more fun than, you know, watching that dude. I'll, I'll rip on my own team, like Kyle Wright, instead. Like, both, you know, number three stars in rotation can get some Ks and throw you some innings. Like, I'd rather, you know, be tracking Senga than Wright. So, I think that might, might be part of the, like, that high ADP. But, yeah, I mean, I hope it works out. I hope not too well. Like, I don't want this did turn to the next Otani, but yeah, you know, it'd be cool to see a Hideo Nomo type. Um, he's good. It's this year. Yeah, he's good. It, w- it will be interesting to see. Who's your favorite Japanese baseball player of all time? Do you have one? <laughs> really put me on the spot. I mean, I feel, I feel like I have to get attachment to, to Dice K. Like, I know it's an easy answer because I just said him, but I feel like that was sort of like the height of my baseball fandom. And I could be wrong, but I think we hadn't really had like a big international sensation like that in a long time. I mean, you always have like the Latin guys, but I mean, he was everywhere. Um, you know, again, it's back in the days watching Sports Center constantly, so watching baseball tonight. So I, I think I think it was cool seeing him have some success right away. But um, yeah, I guess you Darvish too. Like thinking about him, I guess I'll stick with Dice K. But you Darvish, kind of same deal. So it's been. I know Tony speaks for himself, obviously. So it's been a pretty good run with these guys. Um, I'll tell you that my favorite is not who the Braves signed in mid-2000s, like Kensuke Kawitama, absolute <laughs> boss. He's maybe like the only guy that didn't hit from, from that country. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, based on the history and track record, he probably should be pretty good. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, I've always had a um... – I've always really liked watching the Japanese players play. We actually remember we saw the guy with the, the, uh, the jersey of my favorite Japanese player when we were Fukudome. in Chicago. Fukudome, Kasuke Fukudome. Uh, yeah, what a legend! I think he had an all. No, he wasn't. He wasn't very. Good. He wasn't very good either. But no, he had a career war of like I think three over like five seasons. That's too funny. But yeah, um, we just spent all this time to even give Ichiro a shout out. It's pretty bad. So Ichiro was my favorite. Growing up, I was I loved Ichiro, man. He was uh like he was he felt like a cheat code for baseball. Yeah, so I'll 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 uh do a little peek behind the curtain. Uh just was randomly talking to Greg this week and I don't know what prompted it, but he gave me his baseball Mount Rushmore. And this is all times, so not just, you know, like since we've been watching it, since we were born. And he had each on his Mount Rushmore of baseball. Wow, I love that take. Who? Yeah. So, what are the parameters for Mount Rushmore, and like how how wide how wide is it? Like, uh, how many players did he have? You gotta you gotta run down some of these. Well, Mount Rushmore is four, so he had four people. Um, oh, oh, we're we're actually doing. Okay, you yeah, know some like, people like, are like them. Okay, yeah, that was a dumb, I, yeah. Was a dumb I got question. you. I don't mean I don't mean to like. <laughs> No, I, that was kind of rude of me, but um, no, it was yeah, you're, you're spot on. You know, Greg is Greg is personally going to what I think South Dakota and chiseling the face of himself, and he initially had Bonds, Ichiro, Ted Williams, and, and Degrom. We had a little back and forth on Degrom. He admitted that was <laughs> stick. Um, I think I think we both agreed that if we had to pick a pitcher, it'd be Randy Johnson. 
Um, cause you can't, you can't do four bats. You both agreed on that. Like you have to have at least one pitcher. So, um, I think, I think he settled on each row, Ted Williams, Barry Bonds and Randy Johnson. The only person that you could, um, you could argue against Randy Johnson would be, uh, maybe Nolan Ryan. And that wasn't my era, obviously. And so I can't, like, I don't feel passionate enough about that. Like, I agree with the Randy Johnson, but I'm sure a lot of people out there would probably go with Nolan Ryan. No, that's probably the answer. I think you're right. I, I just, like, I have such a blind spot to, like, our our dad's there as a baseball. Like, obviously, you know the, the legends that are in the Hall of Fame from, like, the 40s and 30s. and all. Like I said, if I may win, I think you have to put Babe Ruth on it because I think he's probably the most famous player ever. Um, again, like I have no idea that dude's game would translate to now. It'd probably translate horribly, <laughs> but I think I think you'd have to put him on there. Um, but yeah, like, I have a blind spot to like you know the '60s, '70s, even some of the '80s players. So, yeah, Nolan Ryan makes a ton of sense. Actually, that probably is the right answer. See the he's the persona too. Like I think I think that plays a, a factor in um, Mount Rushmore. Like like you know if we're doing it literally, I don't know if it's necessarily the four best presidents, but probably the four most famous. I think baseball's probably like the same way. So, um, Norm Ryan's a great pick. I think so. Um, but I mean, we'll see. What about uh? I mean, Degrom's definitely a shtick. He does not deserve. Yeah. Up there. Yeah, and he, he he admitted it. I mean, I don't think you put a guy with like a hundred career wins on Mount Rushmore of anything. But I mean, great pitcher. I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about him later. But yeah, I don't know if he like. I think there'd be – I mean, I think he's on it, but if he just like, did a Mount Rushmore pitcher since 2010, I mean, is he a lock? Like, probably, but I think I'd put Kershaw above him at least, like, top of my head. I don't, I don't really know where else I'd go with that one, but – You know, I'm a Kersh fan. Would your Mount yeah. Rushmore include – I know Mike and I talked about this guy on the podcast uh, in the spring, but would your Mount Rushmore include Julio Franco? <laughs> it probably should, right? Just absolute like legendary run with the Braves. Like no, I mean, if, if you're doing like a, a, a st- so, like I said, I think I have to do Babe Ruth. I'd like to steal your pick of Nolan Ryan, but I'll I'll be consistent and stay. Um, Randy Johnson, and then where it gets tough with me is like I really have tr- as you kind of said, I really have trouble picking guys like we never grew up watching play. Like even if you go like the NBA, like. As much as I don't like him, I still kind of like him on the LeBron's better than Jordan train, only because like we watched LeBron. Like I, I, I didn't really watch Jordan ever play. Like Jordan's, I'm sure he's better. I shouldn't even say I'm sure he is better. He's a better career, but it's just like tough for me to like you know pound the table for a guy like that who never saw play. So I'm not going to come out here and give you like Babe Ruth and Ted Williams. I feel like I'm only talking <laughs> to one old guy. So like I love that. I would do, I would do, I would do Babe Ruth. I would stick with Randy Johnson. I actually do agree with Gary the Barry Bonds take. Like, like is is corny as hell, but you can't tell a story of baseball without that dude. Like, he owned our childhood in baseball. Um, obviously, I know there's a huge stain on his name, but I mean, I, I just yeah, I just I don't know. Like, I think in 20 years, a lot of that stuff's going to be get blown over and sort of be revised. Think you know? I think none of us are naive enough to think that that wasn't pretty like rampant in the sport. So I think I'd have to include him, as controversial as that may be. I, I spot, totally uh, agree with you, man. I completely agree yeah. with you. He, and I mean, when you 
I think I still think he's and we've discussed this on the podcast before. I still think he gets a little underrated. And you're right, like a lot of people were doing it at that time. His career war is 164. Like he that's, had a, that's he had insane. A, he had a war of nine in 1990, 10 in 1993, and then 12 in 2001. Like that range and a bunch of really good ones in between. But like Alex Rodriguez, for example, is 115 career war. Barry Bonds is 164. Yeah, that's nuts. I mean, I mean, like you kind of just said, if he split his career in half, he's still a Hall of Famer based on those pre-steroid numbers. So that's why I feel pretty strongly about him. He's just like an all-time talent. Yeah, and oh, um, um, and yeah, fourth spot. I don't know. I I think I'd be trying to like squeeze in a modern guy, but I think it's like still totally for a dude like Trout. And then I don't know. I just had trouble putting it guys like Pujols and Cabrera who were like monsters when we were growing up. They kind of fell off. Like I just don't know if that's Mount Rushmore. Uh, no, they're not. Worthy. The games the game's been played too long for those guys to be Mount Rushmores because they like good but not like just absolute anomalies yeah i mean that's why i think that Ichiro picked such a shrewd pick i mean i did came on the scene pretty like in his middle age because he played in japan obviously and just produced forever and didn't ever really fall off a cliff i mean i know he didn't have the the flashiest game like in terms of hitting home runs and things like that but they'd hit every pitch he saw obviously electric in the field had that hose of an arm so i think i think that's a really um, really smart pick, and like I wouldn't want to steal it either. So I don't know. I don't know how I, how I round it out with. I mean, maybe I pander and say Chipper Jones, even though it's completely incorrect. Or took another old head, pick Babe Ruth and Ted Williams. I don't know. It's tough. I mean, you could always say like Jeter too, since goes face of baseball for twenty years. Obviously, not a top four player all the time, but again, like that dude was the face of baseball for two decades. So. That's yeah. tough. It's it's a fun exercise. We could damn, we could spend all pot on it, but we can't, um, the only thing I can say with certainty is that Chipper Jones does not belong up there. Yeah, yeah, no, it's fair. So just <laughs> a, a little a panic answer by me. I mean, he's unbelievable, but I don't think America is ready for Chipper on their Mount Rush. No, again, if I'm going to rip on the ground for it, you can't put a guy on there that only won one MVP. So yeah, it's, Chipper, it's... love you, but. Yeah, his stuff's good. So, all right, well, let's keep moving on this uh, um, on this list here, so that we can uh, hop into some of the role changes. Um, this one next is near and dear to my heart, because as uh, most of the league out there knows, um, I, I've always loved Xander Bogarts, and uh, it's crazy to see him get eleven years, two hundred eighty million with the Padres. Yeah, I think you need to take the reins on this one. I mean, that that's your guy. You've been, you've been a Bogarts guy as long as I've known you. So, um, I mean, you must be thrilled he's playing out there, that fun-ass lineup. I mean, so yes and no, it is a fun lineup, and uh, they're going to be really good if they, can, uh, um, uh, if they can all get it going at the same time. But it just feels like, like I don't know, $280 million for Xander Bogarts at age 30? Like, he was so young when he won those early World Series with the Red Sox, and he's had an incredible career with them, but – it kind of feels like you don't let that guy go. Like he's, he's won two world series with you. He's been there like through thick and thin. Um, it's just like, I don't know. It's, and he's, he's solid. His numbers have been falling off. He's not producing as much, but he, you know, he's still putting up 
uh, strong numbers and he's only 30, but it just feels like uh, for the Padres, like um, just way too much money for someone like the, the Phillies Trey Turner deal just, and I know that's, that's coming up. Uh, I guess we can kind of talk about that in comparison here, but like, I feel like the Phillies got a way better deal in Trey Turner than the Padres did in Xander Bogarts. Uh, yeah, without, you know, stepping on that segment too much, I would strongly agree with that. Um, I think you get the better player for not much more money. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think Xander's really good. Like I said, it's a fun team. Like, it's really – like, as fun as it is to see a guy like Steve Cohen kind of throw around and, like, build this roster just through, like, kind of pure throwing their weight around with money. It's cool seeing the Padres just kind of throw all their prospect capital at these proven commodities. And then finally, like, to kind of cap off this spending spree of prospects, they actually cash in literally with money and get one of the best trades on the market. So, um, really cool to see them going for it and how they're, you know, just refuse to shut their window. Um, I'm glad they're playing the West because it's scary to, you know, face a team like that that's going to kind of do whatever it takes to win and be competitive. But, yeah, fun team, great baseball town, great city in general. So, um, and, you know, not necessarily a big market team either. So it's cool seeing them compete with the big dogs. It is. It is pretty cool. And uh, um, it's tough to kind of know what's going to happen there with Tatis. Like, I know he played short. They want him in the outfield now. Uh, his antics are a mess. But, yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. It's going to be um, it's going to be fun to watch them. And uh, I feel like we could talk for a whole segment on Tatis. So maybe we'll skip him because uh, – um, I don't know if it's worth it right now. We got to see him play first. Yeah, no, again, like Dick talk ad nauseum about him. He's maybe like the most fascinating guy in the sport right now. So, um, honestly, you could probably do a whole episode just on him and, and that team. I totally agree. So then Trey Turner, we kind of touched on it. I don't think there's too much there. Like Phillies went out. I didn't see it coming, but now it kind of makes sense. Him and Bryce apparently have a strong relationship and a good player. Uh, so I don't – any any hot take on the Trey Turner signing other than the fact that it just strengthens the NL East? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm jealous. Like, I've always been a big admirer of him. I thought when the Nationals traded him, they traded him for, like, about 60 cents on the dollar. So, at least, at, you know, at, at this rate, a team is, like, putting a lot into him. Um, unfortunately, it comes at the expense of the team I root against. Uh, don't dislike the Phillies, but obviously because they play the Braves and they're in the same division. You have to pay attention to them. So a team that, you know, already was strong, got a lot stronger. I know people get a little concerned that, you know, speed doesn't age very well, but that dude's not just fast. He can really hit the baseball, and he's not power dependent. So I think it's going to be a pretty strong contact for them. Um, and, yeah, it sucks he's back in the East. Thought, thought he was finally, you know, gone when the Nationals gave him up, but, He's back to torment the Braves and the rest of the division and the rest of baseball. So, yeah, good good on you guys for bringing an absolute stud like that. Well, you can't say you guys. I'm, I'm a baseball fan. I, 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 I don't uh, – I, 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 know, I know you're a little baseball agnostic, but I, I, saw you, I saw you clapping it up a little bit during the World Series run. So, you know, oh, it's uh, – I'll, 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 I'll rescind to you guys, but, but you I'm, can't tell I'm, me you're completely separated. No, I do like to see the Phillies do well, but it's definitely not. Um, uh, uh, I wasn't waking up on the honeymoon in Italy to uh, to watch the Phillies, uh, to say the least. Fair but, enough, uh, and fair enough, and I'm I'm sure uh, I'm sure your wife appreciated that too. So, 
<laughs> what um all right so these last two here uh verlander and degrom uh i i think verlander's kind of like is, do you have any hot takes there uh it's i mean it almost kind of feels like a uh like a retirement deal kind of like we'll let you like Right. This seems like, you know, not to to steal what you just used, but like kind of the honeymoon swan song of his career. But I mean, the guy was an absolute stud last year. So I, I think, you know, if you're going to swap out the ground for Verlander, you can do a lot worse if you're a Mets fan. And sort of, you know, I know he was hurt in 2021, but it's been pretty durable his whole career. So um I think, you know, as long as you kind of get, get what you can out of them for those two or three years with the option, you take it. And, again, we I feel like, a you know, I'm like a Woody doll just saying the same thing over and over again. But Cohen is not afraid to spend. That's sort of the price tag it takes to bring in a guy that's that good. So I get it, and it sucks. It would be nice if the Mets had downgraded a little bit more, but they just brought in, you know, World Series champion ace. So – yeah, it's uh, he's old, but it's not going to scare me away from in fantasy or anything like that. Yeah, they they want him for the for the playoffs. Uh, I don't see him being the workhorse during the season the same way that he always is. But yeah, I agree with everything you said there. It's uh, um, it's pretty obvious what's going on. But were you not shocked by the Degrom trade? I was. I mean, I know I know that they had been some percolations about him going out west um don't really know like why because i know the the big there's a big like braves connection because he's from florida supposedly grew up rooting for him i never thought they'd do it braves despite like having a pretty good payroll these days they're still penny pinchers when it comes to anybody over the age of 30 so i never thought that was going to happen um rangers shocked me uh still probably a few years away but um i think mlb.com or you know someone not like one of your diehard um, sabermetrics baseball sites throughout like do they have the best rotation in the west it's very obviously no but because I think it's still the Astros and probably the Mariners even better too but anyway um, he's a huge piece for him and I think you and I talked about how like they have Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker waiting in the wings I mean what better mentor for those two guys when you get two first round picks go learn from you know probably the best or maybe the most talented pitcher in baseball right now. So I get where the Rangers did it, even if their winning window is not going to open up right away. Um, cool splash for them. Cool seeing parity in the sport. Um, kind of like the Padres, like not necessarily the, the biggest market. So, you know, I, I like I like when teams like that kind of go all in on people. And I, the neutral fan of me reached for that to pan out. Yeah, I didn't even think about the mentoring those two young studs they got there. Uh, that's going to be huge. Hopefully, they can get them up and throwing next year. Uh, I uh, I wouldn't sleep on a team like them. I know I'm uh, just using what happened recently, but uh, I, like that team's going to compete. And the Phillies showed you that it you don't need uh, you don't need to be the the favorite to go a long way. And so I wouldn't sleep on the Rangers. And it's uh, when he signed there, I was kind of thinking like, "Hey, good for you, man. That'd be cool if you went and got one there." Do you know at the top of your head like where his ADP is at right now? I think it's top twenty. Um, let me get it real quick. Uh, I think people are still putting a slight discount on him uh, because of the injury type stuff, but it's still like 
like I don't know. He he's a he's a league winner. He's kind of like Judge, uh, where right. if, if he's healthy, he could be the best player in the league. So let me look real quick to see where he's at. I normally look for draft champions leagues, which uh, if anyone doesn't play out there, I did a couple of them last year. It was actually a blast. Uh, it's a it's a lot different than our league. It's a nice compliment. You don't have to pick people up. But uh, uh, so I actually, wow, I see. Well, he's actually 30, so not top 20, top 30. That, yeah, that seems like a big discount. That might be that might be this year's Aaron Judge. Like right. seriously. Why? I don't know. Like, so... I I'd have told I'd have told Pats on him the second round if I was you know, I don't know if I'd pick him in like the top fifteen or so or top top eighteen. But yeah, if you know, you gotta chance him in the back half of the second round. It's really tough letting him slip. It's funny, they've got him listed here. Uh, right, going right before him is uh, Brandon Woodruff and Shane McClanahan, and then going right after him is Spencer Schreider. <laughs> wow, that's that's quite the group right there. Um, wow, Brandon Woodruff's above. See, I, I think I, yeah, I would never take Brandon Woodruff over the Grom. I just like, I just don't think my my brain would allow it, even though like maybe you are a value guy. You you are yeah. I, I am. I am. I, it's burned me a lot, as we know, last year with my uh, disastrous season, kind of basically taking swings at every guy with any sort of straight of potential and blew up my face. But just there's between, like, you know, going all in on a guy like Bellinger versus a guy like DeGrom. DeGrom has been very good for a very long time and has not fallen off a cliff like Bellinger has. So, I'm yeah, I mean, if it's almost to pass him in the second round, I'll be waiting there in the third to, to snatch him up. So it's very interesting to, to hear that ADP. They also give a min-max for these guys, and those other guys have a little wider min-max where DeGrom's is a little tighter. But um, it's I, – I like looking at this because there's kind of a little bit of like a wisdom in crowds here. Like what do – because you got to imagine – like so draft champions, for example, the, um, the main pools like – 50 some odd thousand bucks and then you also win your league but uh you got to imagine that these are the the best of the best playing this game and the experts and so if the experts are putting them at 32 like um i don't know sometimes it's hard to to bet against that like it it's i i find that most of these prices are uh correct and a few of them tend to be like blatantly wrong but we'll we'll see uh uh, for example, another one here that that might stick out to you is Bobby Wood Jr.'s eight. Yeah, that that seems insane to me, especially in especially in December too. Like, and maybe if he's like hitting the cover off the ball like crazy in spring training, I could see like a big helium push for him. But eight coming off last year and on a terrible team, I, I don't know. Yeah, you'd have to sell me really hard on that one. So he, I mean, so they definitely in, in draft champions because it's Roto is similar. They overweight steals and he was a big steel guy, but yeah. So I'm, I'm the biggest Bobby Witt fan there is. I had him last year. And, oh yeah. Uh, but I, I wouldn't take him at eight either. I mean, he had a WRC plus, which again, the league average is a hundred. He had a 99. So like, yeah, he had a good season and he hit 20 homers, 80 runs, 80 RBIs, 30 stolen bases, but he still was an average hitter. Now. Yeah, and I mean, not to not to turn like to the Brace podcast, but I think a reason why like, all these dudes that keep bringing up are producing is because 
their job's really easy. Like you're already in a lineup with a ton of other good players. Witt has to carry the Royals. I mean, I know like Xavi Perez can go off every now and then. Like, you know, he's a former 40 home run guy, but it's him and Bobby Witt. I mean, that's a lot to shoulder for what a 21 year old guy. So yeah, I think he's crazy talented and he's, it's very fun to like see him flash up on Twitter with his highlights in the field and hitting, but yeah, man, that's, I think it's tough for him. I, I think if I had a first round pick, he would not be anywhere close to my radar. I just couldn't imagine putting my hands of a, of a Casey Royal. So um, maybe that's like a childish take, but that's where I'm at with him. You want to know it's, and then we'll hop off this because we're, we're running a little late here. I don't want to uh, lose everyone. Uh, on the pod here it's uh close to christmas and uh, i don't know if everyone has two hours to give on fantasy baseball uh, a couple of days no they christmas, probably don't number two adp and i could talk about this like the other things all day long number two on this draft champions adp right now is julio rodriguez see i love that uh i don't want to like get too in the weeds on that but that dude immediately flashed in, like every facet of the game and he's on a good team, like kind of the same deal as he came into <clears throat> a really good situation and just balled out. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be. I mean, it seems a little crazy, and I wonder if he's one of your like foggy takeover judge. But yeah, I'm not like stunned to hear that one. I don't know, maybe it's inconsistent to me, but I don't no, think that's I, that crazy. I I feel like he's. It's got to be consensus to want him because you could. Uh, take that risk early and then go safer later on in the draft. Yeah. And he's also got that, you know, that kind of like fun factor that I think it's just like an inherent bias. At least I think in our league, it's like an inherent bias in drafting guys. Like you want like the fun players to follow. I think get more fun than him right now. I mean, he's got the chance to be the new face of baseball and Mariners are a fun team to root for. He's incredibly fun to watch play. So yeah, all that checks out for me. Very cool. Um, so then it's, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I, I just wanted to real quick before we, uh, before we wrap up here, uh, just kind of get your take on the new baseball rules. Uh, there's been three, uh, uh, you could kind of categorize them. There's, there's a lot of new rules, but they kind of all fall into three main categories uh, um, being the bigger bases, banning the shift and the pitch clock. Uh, I'd love your opinion on, and you don't have to go into all of them, but I'd love your opinion on just uh, what you're thinking about them as it relates to the actual game of baseball and then fantasy baseball. Yeah, so I'm going to start with pitch clock. Um, I don't think it's going to be a big factor at all. I, I think most guys are pretty good about it already. I know there's been like a few names, like Kenley Jansen, for example, takes forever, but I, I just can't see it being that big a factor on people. Um, yeah, I mean, not much more to say on that one. Uh, well, do bigger think, base passes. Well, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, real quick on that. Like, do you think though, like little Timmy when he's at the game and he's six and he's got his his three scoops of ice cream melting in the baseball cup and his parents are losing their cool? Do you think like the parents are going to be sitting there and little Timmy's going to be like, "This is amazing because of this pitch clock. The game is so fast." I'll be honest with you. I did not think little Timmy will notice one bit. Yeah, and sorry. I don't think many baseball fans know to see there. So, I mean, I get why they're trying to, like, implement something like that, but I think it's going to have a very, very minimal impact on the game itself. Okay. Okay. Um, so, I guess second, like, most important, bigger base pass. 
and I'm kind of at the I'll believe it when I see it type of deal with that. Um, we've seen stolen bases, you know, completely fall off a cliff. Um, I know with some of these new pickoff rules and pitch clock, I think it'll come back. And then obviously, bigger base pass is a part of that. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, I think a lot of teams are like pretty cautious about giving up outs on the base pass. So I don't know. I, I just like maybe it'll help the dudes that are already doing it. Um, get better, but I don't think we're going to start seeing like, I don't know. I don't think like Reese Hoskins is going to start turning like a, a throw on the base passes because like he's got more of a reach for second. So um, <laughs> maybe it's a pessimistic take, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I'm just not there yet on it. No, it's real. It's realistic. So uh, I guess the final one and probably the most important. Yep. Yep. I think this shifts a massive change. Um, don't really really have to like say anything about the obvious. Like it's just gonna save some dudes' careers. I just couldn't couldn't stop hitting into it. So um who are you thinking who are you thinking when you say that? Gallo. I feel like he's like the prime candidate for that. And like if you want to go back further, like he basically ruined Chris Davis's career. And the man went from like one of the best powers in baseball to completely unplayable. So <clears throat> I make guys like that a lot more valuable um then I, I think like obviously davis is retired i think gals the game's past him i just don't have any of the good examples off the top of my head but yeah, it'll change a lot good, I mean, those are good examples i mean i think that like the guys that are already good hit the all fields won't matter but maybe some of like you know more of the guys that take a fire on that have some flaws in their game like maybe it opens things up for them a little bit so um I mean, I, like, defense completely changed. Now it's kind of back to normal. So I think it probably have a bigger impact on, on things in our league, like whip, ERA, uh, then more so than, like, the hitting stats. But, yeah, it would be interesting. I, I'm curious to see how much it end up changing things overall. But on paper, it seems pretty drastic to me. It does seem drastic. It's going to be fun to watch. Uh, I'm curious to see – uh, the results and I am a fan of the change. I think uh, change is good when it comes to the game. It's not going to drastically, uh, um, you know, it's not going to completely redesign everything. It's just going to uh, enhance a little bit. So I'm excited. Well, well, Carter, this has been a lot of fun, man. I'm glad we were able to connect and kind of do a, a season recap and an off season uh, review. Uh, uh, as always, love having you on the podcast, man doesn't advance that everyone's got to listen to me you know on their train ride home or whenever over the holidays but you know anytime we get a chance to talk about baseball pretty unfiltered for a long time i'll take it so yeah it's been a lot of fun it's been a blast and uh you know this is going to be the last episode of the season uh for the chalice chasers and uh it's just been a great it was a great baseball season like i said a gr uh even better fantasy baseball season um, hats off again to Mike. And then also just all you listeners out there, uh, just, just got to say, thank you. I'm not sure who you are. Uh, but if you can help get our, our reach to Africa and Latin America, uh, in 2023, then it will be a, uh, a smashing success. And so hopefully we can, uh, get our reach out further next year, but, uh, just wanted to, uh, say thanks to everyone for listening and, uh, look forward to catching up in the new year.